You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that testify on my behalf, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Amen. Among the horrible headlines and the unending political ads and newspaper articles, there is one thing that happened that this week that I want to draw attention to, and that is that renowned pastor and scholar Eugene Peterson passed away. And Martin actually took classes from him in seminary. I only know him through his books, which have always given me much encouragement, uh, always reflecting sound theology and sound scholarship, and yet always offering hope and the idea that one can seek a vital and joyful Christian life. His greatest legacy may be his translation of the Bible, which is actually a lifelong meditation on the word called the, med the message. But apropos to today's message, I found myself pulling off the shelf one of my favorites of his entitled, Eat This Book. And rereading portions of it, I found a lot of wisdom that serves as the basis for this sermon, and it feels fitting then to offer my words today in his memory and to use his words as a means of encouragement to you, indeed, to feed on the word of the Lord. Both our collect and our readings center on this theme. Our collect for today, and I would actually invite you to open, up back, open back up on your bulletins and look at this collect because we're going to be meditating on this and the scriptures that were chosen to accompany it. Um, it comes from Thomas Cramner. He wrote it for the first edition of the Book of Common Prayer in 1549. And some like to say that it was inserted to reflect the concern of the English reformers that uh, the Anglican faith needed to be more word-centered and they, the scriptures needed to assume their proper authority and place. But it is also interesting to note that Cramner's prayer addressed to the Lord who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning help us so to hear them, to read, mark, learn and inwardly digest them, speaks of a process of reading Holy Scripture that is very ancient and in fact monastic. For while not completely paralleling the four steps that we today call Lectio Divina, Cramner is praying that we would enter into a process when we read the Bible to move from an initial reading that is focusing on the content to a profound reception in our hearts, or in Pauline vocabulary, the innermost parts of our being. For to digest the word of God is as food, it must enter the bloodstream of our soul. Eugene Peterson put it this way, Christians feed on scripture. Holy scripture nurtures this only community as food nurtures the human body. Christians do not simply learn or study or use scripture. We assimilate it. We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions in all the world, healing and evangelism and justice in Jesus' name, with hands raised in adoration of the Father. 
Our lectionary today also speaks of this feeding. Isaiah calls us to come buy wine and milk without money or without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Psalm 19 exhorts, The law of the Lord, the Torah, is perfect, reviving the soul, more to be desired than gold, much more than fine gold, sweeter also than honey, dripping from the honeycomb. These are wonderful images. But there's another image that is not in the readings today, but speak to it. And that's the prophetic words that we find in Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and the Revelation of John, in which the prophet is told by the angelic messenger to eat the scroll. Such as this from Ezekiel 3. Son of man, eat this scroll I am giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. In Peterson's book, he sets this image of eating against an aloof objectivity that attempts to replace theological correctness with a personal participation in the hearing and reading of God's word. You are what you eat. It is personal. Scripture must become internalized. For many of us who don't always feel that our reading of the word is like eating fine honey dripping from our mouths, Cramner gives us a road map to reach this destination. He begins with, Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, help us so to hear them. So unlike other books, when we open our Bibles, our first inclination should always be to ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts to receive the words we read, not simply as words printed on a paper, but as a message from God. Prayer pre pre prepares us for reading, and prayer sustains us as we read. Our Anglican prayer office reinforces this admonition with an order, and I'm speaking particularly of morning prayer, that moves from praise and then silence before we read or hear the word of God so that we might be prepared to hear God's voice and not simply our own. This progression to digestion then begins with reading or lectio. But keep in mind that in the mid-1500s in England, many common people did not actually know how to read, and they certainly did not own Bibles. They went to church to hear the word of God. So this should serve to remain us that while the reading of Scripture is personal, it was never meant to be privatized. It was never meant to be something that we own, that's just between God and I. That's what I love about the Anglican liturgical tradition of the Sunday lectionary. The word of God has come down to us in bound books, but it originated in the assembly. So this is our opportunity on Sundays to actually close our eyes and instead of reading the printed word, to actually hear it to listen, to hear the scriptures in the context of music and prayer and feasting, feasting on word and sacrament, and to hear the scriptures in the context of our faith community. 
And as we hear these scriptures each Sunday, it is under the canopy of the church year so that we immerse ourselves in the story of God so that it becomes our story. Peterson says that the Bible is all story and that we must find ourselves in the story. The Jews were storytellers. Their stories were what they found their identity in, and so should we. We all love a good story. It pulls us out. We often read to escape. But when we listen to the biblical story, we aren't escaping. We're being drawn in to something that has God as its center, a story that offers us to a world in which God is the one in control, a story which asks us to give up our own controls and find healing and peace. It is a story in which we find forgiveness and hope. It is the story of the Jews, of their suffering, and the story of Christ, the story of the church, and it must become our story. When you read the word of God, put yourself in the story. Hear Christ's words, feel Christ's touch, Know his loving gaze. So we move on to let us mark your words, which I believe is very close to the step in Lectio Divina called meditatio or meditating. Peterson likes to call this chewing on the cud. You've probably all heard the maxim, and I've used it myself, that we need to learn to read the Bible for formation and not information. But I'm not always sure that actually works because we can be formed by information. It's how we receive it. The Bible actually contains a lot of information about who God is, who we are, and how to be disciples of Christ. Peterson tells us that far from being pedantry, exegesis is an act of love. It means loving the one who speaks the words enough to want to get the words right. So I'm not quite ready to throw out my commentaries lining the shelves of my study, but I am challenged to read the Bible in the context of a relationship, a relationship to God and a relationship to my community. And I am also being asked to enlarge my ideas of what it means to learn from the Word of God, which is Cramner's third request. And what is it we want to learn? Do we want just to figure out whether there's free will or there's sovereignty or destination, predestination is real? Now, I don't think that's all that's involved, although it's certainly some of it. I think ultimately what we do when we read the word of God is that we want to grow closer to God. We want to understand, but we also want to grow deeply. So for this, I turn to Anselm of Canterbury, who said this, and perhaps this is what he meant when he was even reading the word. I do not seek to understand it that I may believe. I believe in order to understand. For Anselm, understanding went deeper than merely a rational understanding. Understanding for him meant a deeper knowledge of God. And faith was not simply epistemic knowledge, but faith was something that was an active love of God, to enter into the scriptures with an active love for God, and then to seek a deeper relationship. In our reading in 2 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy to read the Bible for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. 
So what I noticed here is not only that there must be a connection between the word heard and read and lived, but there is a context in which we are given the word of God. The word of God is not the word in itself, in isolation. It is the word of God in covenant. The God who in Isaiah today says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. This Bible we read is to be read in that context, that we belong to God. And it's meant to be read in worship, in relationship. So let's take a further look at our gospel reading for today. It takes place within a story in which these words of Jesus are taken from this story about the Jewish leaders and an argument he was having with them inside the temple. He had just healed a paraplegic who was sitting by a pool known for healing just inside the city gates of Jerusalem. When Jesus came upon, he simply asked him, do you want to get well? Why are you sitting there? And the man replied, I have no one to help me. To which Jesus replied, take up your mat and be healed. The story is so rich in symbolism because the people were approaching a pool to find healing. And instead, Jesus is saying, healing comes from me. But the Jewish leaders that were hanging around the temple were outraged. Um, they did not like the idea that he had healed someone on the Sabbath and then ordered them to take up their mat, because taking up a mat and carrying it was illegal. And they said to him, do you not know that this is unlawful on the Sabbath? Who do you think you are? You're disobeying Torah. And Jesus answered that it was by the authority of his father that he did all these things and that his testimony is greater than John the Baptist. And this utterance in itself, according to Torah, meant death. But Jesus says no. No, I come from one who has given me authority that is greater. And why can you not see it for yourselves? Because although they have searched and studied the scriptures, they have been looking in all the wrong places. They have missed that God's word is indeed standing right before them. In the message, Eugene Peterson offers this paraphrase of the passage. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there, but you miss the forest for the trees. The scriptures are all about me, and here I am standing right before you, and you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. And how often do we approach the Bible and forget that Jesus is standing through the miracle of the Holy Spirit right before us? Do we miss the forest for the trees? Do we come to the word of God with our own presuppositions about what we want to hear? Do we come to the Bible understanding that his thoughts are greater than our thoughts? Or do we come to the scriptures to receive the life of Jesus? Are we motivated by love? Do we approach the reading of the word as an act of our own love? seeking a deeper love relationship. So along with these images in Isaiah of feeding and receiving nourishment from God's word, Isaiah also encourages his hearers to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call him 
while he is near. And the closing of today's passage in Isaiah is another promise from God to every reader of his word. For just as seeds sprout from the earth, so shall my word be. It shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that purpose for which I meant it and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. These words offer us hope that it really isn't up to us. And I don't want you to misinterpret the word that I'm giving you today. I'm only asking you to find places in your heart and in your surroundings where you can sit and hear the word of God, the way it was meant to be heard. So Cramner ends his collect with this, the way he begins it, help us, Lord, and closes on this note of hope. May we, through patience, receive the comfort of your holy word so that we may embrace and hold on to the hope of everlasting life, which we have in our Savior. And we have the testimony also of a man who was quick to point out his own flaws, but sent a lifetime eating the word and communing with God. So much so that among his last words as he lay dying, Eugene Peterson said, let's go. He was ready. Eat this book. And in the midst of this chewing, we are also offered to eat the bread of Christ. And in both, may you find peace, find comfort, find love. Amen.